Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Hey, legendary human. Yes, I'm talking to you. Love the show? Why not joining hundreds of creatives already part of our collective for monthly masterminds, challenges, masterclasses, and so much more? We help creatives make a positive impact in the world with their message and their content. So give your creative work the visibility that it deserves. Find out more about how to get involved in the show notes of this episode. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing and share their stories by outstanding content. Hello team and welcome to a very sad but inspiring moment. Amy, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm mourning because season mm-hmm. two is ending. Cue the very sad music, like... Okay, we're back, we're back. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Just wanted to create a bit of pathos for the end of the season. Um, I don't know if you felt it in my voice, but um, how are you, Amy? So I am slightly morning, but I'm also excited for what's to come. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm feeling excited. It's been a great season, and I feel like this is a really great way to end it, actually. So I'm excited for this one. Um, why are you so excited about talking to Emma Manford? Um, I just, she's such an inspiration. I think all her Instagram posts, she's got, she does courses, books, everything. I find her so inspiring and really empowering. And I feel like I really want people to take that away from this podcast episode. 100%. And I know I'm not quite well, so it's always nice to talk to somebody that I know. And it's kind of like a bit of fun girling here and there between the two of us, which you will find adorable, guys. Uh, but aside from that, there's also loads of inspiration because that's what obviously Make an Impact is about. And what I wanted to talk with Emma about was her new book called Positively Wealthy. It came out in June 2020. So if you're listening, time is out this month. And it's all about redefining the idea of what wealth is, what wealth means, and not just on the financial sense, but also when it comes to fulfillment. And also I think a really important conversation that can be relevant for spiritual creatives and people that are in the spiritual field. But I think so many of us who are creatives that might struggle to put a monetary value to our talent and what we create. I don't know if it's something that you found in the last couple of years with Nourishing Amy as well. 
Yeah, it's it's really difficult actually, and I think there's such a tendency to undersell yourself and undervalue yourself, and it's only through having open conversations with other creatives and reading books like Emma's that you kind of get a better grounding of how much you should charge and how much you are worth, and to stand up for yourself in that um, in that sense. And I love that. I love the idea of actually standing up for yourself and having that confidence to actually say, you know, this is kind of what I'm worth and this is what I want to build. And in the one way, I think is one of the hardest conversations and Emma will actually give us some practical tips about this. And what is actually really good and timely is that this episode comes out right as we're relaunching our Business of Influence course. And guys, if you want to hear more about the relaunch offer and the course itself, which is all about upping your content but also finding the confidence to start turning your creative business into a business made of partnerships and collaborations. And you can also go into the show notes and check out uh, the new course right in the link in the show notes. So make sure that you check that out as well, because there's a lot that I talk about when it comes to pricing, pricing methods, negotiation and pitching for brands and partners that you might want to work with. Um, but without further ado, actually, I want to ask you one more thing, Ames, before we jump into the conversation with Emma. Is there one episode, one conversation of the podcast or one guest that you really love for season two? Once you think about it, I'll tell you mine because obviously mm-hmm. I interviewed most of them. Um, I think one of my favorites might have been for this one, talking to Vicky, Vicky Schilling. Uh, the reason why I did love that episode is because we kind of riff off each other really well and the experience that she's had and the honesty that she brings in when it comes to conversations about money is something that I can also see in this conversation with Emma and I appreciate them both because there are also so much practical no-nonsense advice it's not just about the, the mindset element but it's also about giving you tools to take the inspiration and put it into practice so Vicky's might be one of my favorite for this season now I put you on the spot, Amy. <laughs> you have put me on the spot and you actually stole my favourite one. Um, I think because it talks about things that I'm really interested in and, um, yeah, like standing up for yourself again. But I think we've had so many good guests, like Sophie Clyde-Smith was amazing. Um, Rachel was really good. Like, I really like the kind of business element to that conversation. Even Rob Eads, like how to build longer lasting collaborations with brands. Um, there's been so much, actually. So, um yeah, it's been a really great season. Awesome. Well, guys, if you have missed out on some of the episodes, go and check the backlog as we prep and get ready for season three. Ames, thank you so much for being such a lovely co-host and hopefully we'll get a, more, a bigger piece of you in the next season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Emma and I hope you get inspired and I'm excited to see you back in season three. <laughs> Well, hello, Emma. How are you, my darling? I'm good. Thank you so much for for having me on. I'm super thrilled to be here with you today. I am so excited to chat to you. I mean, I always love chatting with you, uh, (laughs) but especially when it comes to right now and the fact that the week before the launch of your next book, you managed to squeeze a bit of time to chat with me. I really appreciate that. Oh, anytime. I've always got time for you, Fab. And I love talking all things positively wealthy. So it was the perfect timing. 
oh, stop it. It's like, it's like flirting. On <laughs> it's really disgusting. I'm sorry, guys. Um, well, talking about Positively Wealthy then, obviously, as I said, it is launching next week at the time of the recording and one is out, you know, will be out probably for about two or three weeks by then. And I wanted to ask you, obviously, this is the second book and I feel like having read, obviously, also your first book, I feel there is a bit of a, almost like streamlining and focusing a bit more on a specific topic that comes with law of attraction and manifesting in abundance. Abundance? Abundance, that's the word. Abundance? Um, so I was wondering, how, what was the origin story of the book? If you were to share with me, you know, where you came from, I'm a spiritual queen, and then going back into Positively Wealthy, what was the little journey that happened there? Yeah, so Spiritual Queen, my first book, was very much my sort of part memoir, part law of attraction of how I came into spirituality, my awakening, and how I really created the life of my dreams within 12 months. So that was kind of the main themes of saying yes to you, yes to life, and yes to your dreams. So that kind of journey after I released Positively Wealthy, um, <laughs> released Spiritual Queen, I haven't released Positively Wealthy yet. So after <laughs> releasing Spiritual Queen in 2019, um, at the launch party, we actually had a psychic there just for a bit of entertainment and she was giving readings. So I was like, right, I better get in there first. Otherwise I'm not going to end up speaking to her all night. So she said, you know, your next book's going to be about money, don't you? And I was like, no, it's not. You know, I've hung up my coupon queen crown. I don't do that anymore. You know, I'm spiritual queen. I was like laughing the whole way through this reading. And she was like, you need to realize that your money roots and your knowledge is just as beneficial now and just as important now as well as your spiritual practices and spiritual, you know, spirituality. So I absolutely laughed this reading off and was just like, clearly this woman's just Googled me like, lol, I'm not writing about money. I'm spiritual queen. So after that, a couple months later, more and more conversations from my spiritual friends and peers would come up where they're like, Emma, you're really good with money. You really need to share this more with people and talk about, you know, how people can have a good relationship with money because in the kind of spiritual wellness industry, not many people do have a good grounded relationship with money and they struggle with it. Like you really need to talk about this. So I could see the kind of breadcrumbs from the universe <laughs> aligning as such. And I thought, right, I'm going to have to speak about this, aren't I? So so the book itself kind of dropped in um, in March last year and it there'd been a momentum up to that writing that book of, you know, that point of I'm going to write this book. So in the kind of October, um, November of 2018, I sold my business, my first business, which was Extreme Couponing in Deals UK, which is why I was known as Coupon Queen. So I have a merit. Um, I have a very money orientated background. So I came from banking. I then started up the UK's biggest couponing and deals um, Facebook page and website. And that was where I was known as Coupon Queen. So really that business had outgrown me and I had outgrown the business as well because it needed a team of people. And I was so passionate about spirituality that I knew that this was what I really wanted to do and this was the right thing for me. So I manifested finding the buyer for my business and he actually ended up being a really good friend of mine. So I knew it was going into safe hands and someone who was really experienced in the money industry. And I was sat there waiting for the money to kind of hit my account. And I realized that this was the last manifestation of my vision board. And I was like, oh my God, Emma, you've made it. You've achieved everything off your vision board. The book deal, selling your business, having money, having success, having a great business manifesting love, manifesting house, you know, everything I'd wanted off that vision board was in my life. And I just thought, wow, isn't that amazing that you've been able to do this? 
And I felt that by this last manifestation coming in, somehow it would complete me or somehow it would fill that void that was within me. And I could just relax and just be like, yeah, that's it. You know, you can live your life now and not have to, you know, manifest or chase things or push. And when that money actually hit my bank account, I was like, okay, this is amazing. And you know, it was life-changing money. And within 10 minutes, I'd moved it to my savings account and moved it to my investments. And, you know, very quickly that bank balance was right back where it was before. And I sat there and I thought, I am grateful for this money. Like I am truly grateful for this money, but I feel no different inside. And this was a real pivotal moment for me of you've been chasing the wrong version of wealth this whole time. And for me, you know, in society, we're, we're brought up to believe that, you know, money and business and success is that version of wealth. And if you're wealthy, then you have money, validation, success, book deals, successful businesses, whatever it is. And to some people that genuinely is their version of wealth and genuinely does fulfill them. And that's great. But I'd been following that societal pattern of thinking that that was what I had to aspire to. And because work was going so well for me, it was easy to put my energy into there. It's easy for me to say, you know, this works really well. This feels good. I'm just going to put all my energy into there. But what my real version of wealth was, was my personal life. And I hadn't been nurturing those crops. I hadn't been watering and, you know, putting my time and energy into all of my relationships in my life, meaning that my personal life was far from positively wealthy. And I realized that that was my true version of wealth. And that was the wealth that I really needed to, to work on and aspire to so for me it was a big moment in my life where I realized what my true version of wealth was and this is where the kind of idea of the book came along was looking at that kind of mindset of chasing dreams chasing desires chasing wealth chasing money um, chasing manifestations as well it became a big checklist for me my law of attraction journey and it never should have been that and how actually going into that feminine flow allowed me to manifest in a, in a totally different way for totally different reasons. And also I was able to create that positively wealthy lifestyle in all areas of my life, not just work. So really it was like doing that inner work as such. So it was a real deep journey for me, but it was integrating um, how we view our version of wealth, what your true version of wealth is. Are you chasing your own version of of your of wealth of goals or are you chasing somebody else's and also how we can have that spiritual grounded and practical relationship with money as well because it's super important because uh you know a lot of law of attraction teachings with money they're, they're very spiritual and they do work but it misses a lot of the humanness of money where you know we uh, we look up to our parents our families etc like they are our first kind of teachings on money and how to interact with money and if we don't do that inner work, if we don't, you know, remove those inner blocks and clear the way to abundance, that abundance is not going to come to us. So it was really about creating a practice book that, you know, absolutely helps you manifest all of these amazing things over 33 days, but also doing that deep inner work so that it's a practical, you know, it's a practical practice as such, because it's not just the spiritual stuff, it's practical advice as well, which really works and helps people who maybe feel a bit skeptic with the law of attraction or, you know, feel a bit skeptic in general or have, you know, deep ingrained beliefs about money or wealth or any aspect of their life. I actually have a question, which is, going maybe almost a bit deeper because I love what you said about different types of abundance. And I think 
is very, very relevant when it comes to obviously different people and, you know, the, the idea of like, that's what I should get and that's where I should, you know. And as you said, it's almost um, what you mentioned about that first, um, you know, whatever big goals you want to reach, or as you said, you almost exhausted your your uh, vision board and then you get there and you're like, okay, actually this, this, this is not it. This is not it. What, what does this teach me? But I'm also wondering, because I know it's a big part of, as you said, some of your spiritual friends also prompted you with this, a big part of being creative, but also being a creative in, especially, so the wellness in general, but especially in spiritual wellness, I think there is a, such a deep rooted, and there's some misconceptions, there are some ideas, there are some beliefs when it comes to this kind of niche within well-being and wellness. And I think... First of all, that's what I think. But secondly, I think these kind of misconceptions and, and beliefs can also apply to a lot of creatives in general. They might think, actually, this is my talent. This is my skill. Why should I monetize it? Or why should I expect it to bring abundance? And how, you know, and why should I really look into the financial side of it? And why should I just let things flow? Um, and it's something that I want to discuss with you because I think it's something that a lot of people and people that are listening might relate with is the element of, I need to get better in my relationship with money and financials, but because of the industry that we're in or because of the type of work that we do, sometimes it can be harder than for other people. And I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on this. Definitely. And it's such a great topic of discussion to bring up because it can relate to, you know, people so differently. So for instance, you know, with money manifestations, people will say, well, everybody's manifesting a million pounds. So surely that's what I should be doing. And everybody's like saying that I need to create a six, seven, eight figure business. So that's what I should be doing. Right. And it's really important to witness that because a lot of the time I see with people, they feel they have to be doing things because everybody else is doing it. And what I actually get a lot of the time, even in my business mentoring sessions is people will come to me and say, I really want to help people. And that means I should be a life coach. And you can normally tell the people who are like, yeah, I really want to do this to the people who are doing it because they think they should be doing it. And you normally find that after that session, they say to me, Emma, you're so right. It's not a life coach. I want to be it's X, Y, Z. And you know, they've explored a whole different side, whether it's running their own business or actually working in employment that actually is their true version of wealth that is their true goals and aspirations so I think it's really interesting because you can really fall into a comparison trap really easily with this because it's thinking that there's only one way to do something so if you want to help people you must write books or you must be a coach or you must do this for example and there are so many beautiful ways to express your craft to express your talents your abilities your creativity that is the beauty of life there is not one way to do anything and by doing these unique things and all of us doing such different unique beautiful things means that we have more and more people sharing their voice sharing their passion sharing their creativity in ways that can resonate with more and more people in more should we say niche things or different avenues to what we would you know stereotypically associate with being the right thing to do to be a spiritual wellness um, business creative influencer teacher whatever you want to call it so I think it's really identifying what will bring you the most happiness in your life so is it following that path of being a coach or is it actually doing something completely different? And in terms of the charging aspect, 
the decision is yours. If you genuinely want to turn your passion project into a business and, you know, I think sometimes we also disassociate from money because it's, it's that conflict of interest where it's like, I want to help people, but is it egotistical to want money for that? I want to be of service and help and heal people, but is it wrong to ask for money? And this is where the imbalance is because it's that moral of we need money to make the world go around. We need money to put food on our tables to, you know, put the roof over our heads. If you're, you know, a, someone who did Reiki, for example, you know, you'd need to pay for the, for the offices or building to do those Reiki sessions. So money does make the world go around and money has been used in all the wrong ways. Absolutely. And I think that's where the imbalance comes of people feeling that they either don't deserve it or that they shouldn't be doing it, but also that money's not a great vibration, but actually the more, light workers or spiritual folk or whatever you would resonate with that manifest abundance and create these abundant um passion projects businesses whatever it may be it could just be a hobby for you you know it doesn't have to turn into that full-time business but the more that we create that abundance in the right spaces by the right people their energy of money will transform and change to be positive and it's all about fair energy exchange at the end of the day you know if you were being of service creating things making things whatever it is you know it's got to be fair energy exchange so as long as you are thinking you know it's not draining you and that it's actually that fair energy exchange you can see that actually by having that energy exchange there of monetary or you know whatever it is but mostly it will be monetary then you can say well actually this is good because this is you know paying my bills each month this is allowing me to drive and travel and do the things that I want to do in my life as well so it's about seeing it not as you know, the scary thing that money is, but also identifying what your block is. So is it worth, do you feel worthy of money? Is it you're charging too much? Is it you're charging too little? So it's really looking at that scale and also looking at your beliefs around money. Is it, you know, have you been taught that money's evil? Have you been taught that money's bad or whatever it is? You know, we all have these unique stories within us and, and kind of narratives and beliefs. So it's really about identifying where that resistance is to then highlight it and work through it to release it. And, and I think... You know, it's kind of one of those things that obviously came out also from the first book, I think is kind of key to say, it's always about doing, you know, doing that work. And as you say, is asking is almost what I heard from what you were saying, there was the questions that you can ask yourself. And it's just asking ourselves our questions and going outside of what we think we should do or what, what we feel like is the best thing and just taking that time and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think as you said, there can be a bit of an interesting relationship with money and financials in general. And I think something that I've seen when I've done my money work uh, more than once, because that's a big one for me, um, has been you think almost that you do the work once and then you are done almost. You're like, okay, okay, I healed, it's good. But I find for myself that some of the things that I'm thinking about when it comes to that, you know, how to live with my financial health and, and just you know, understanding and nurturing it, I always have to go back and make that time for the check-ins and make the time to see if something else comes up or if something is triggering me. And I'm just saying this because I think other people might resonate with the idea of, okay, so I read Positively Wealthy once, got everything, and then I do the, the work once and off I go into the world and everything is changed. And I think there has to be a bit of a reality check of, it's good to have those little practices that can help you keeping things, you know, 
healthy and happy and kind of like for you. And I don't know if there's any, first of all, if you agree with this. And secondly, do any of these practices, maybe even practices in the book, there are the ones that you find you do more often and you do more frequently. And that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant question. And yeah, I definitely agree with that because when I first started spirituality and the law of attraction, like I read Rhonda Burns, the magic, which is also a practice book. And I would see like all these great results over those 28 days, but then moving forward. And this is what I see so often as well with, you know, my clients and stuff, they'll say, Emma, I first found the law of attraction, did all the work, manifested so much stuff. And now I can't manifest anything. What's going on? And I had this myself and it's consistency that is stopping you here. I say, okay, so what did you do to manifest that? And they'll tell me, well, I did gratitude each day. I did this, I did that, I did this. And I'm like, brilliant. What part of what? what part of that do you do now? Tell me the things that you still do now. And they say, well, nothing. I don't do any of that. And I'm like, okay, so you can see why you manifested that because you were putting that energy towards it. You were doing your gratitude. You were like being consistent with yourself. And my number one quote is, you know, the universe will be consistent with you when you can be consistent with yourself. So it's a big mirror between ourselves and the universe. So really, you know, being consistent with your spiritual practices is so important because it creates that sustainability, which is key, but also it allows it, you know, gratitude and just doing these like simple practices. It helps with your mindset. It helps with your mood. It helps with your manifesting. So it's really, you know, it's not just for manifesting. It really helps to create that consistency with how you feel in day-to-day -day life as well. Meaning that if something bad were to happen or something annoying or, you know, something sad, it, you're not going to go down to that kind of bottom of the emotional scale as such. You are building up a consistency where it's easier to come back to that, that place as such, where you feel at ease and you're kind of neutral and at peace. So it is important for so many reasons to do these practices. You know, you don't have to do all 33 practices in the book each day. <laughs> that would be a lot. And you also don't need to do that book every month definitely not but like the key practices i would say which are just so important to to do every day and also you know regularly as well is gratitude for number one because if we can't be grateful for what we have now the universe isn't going to bring us anymore so being grateful for where you are right now is so so important and giving thanks for all the blessings in your life so just each day writing down in a, in a notebook or a journal just three to five points it can be really simple it doesn't have to be long three to five points of what you're grateful for so you could word it like i am so grateful for then you can put your house or whatever it is. And it's, you know, a lot of people can say, great, I can write that so easy. I'm grateful for my house, my dog, my job, my partner, whatever. Um, but I always say, right, extend it and then write because afterwards. So I'm so grateful for my house because, and when we're challenged to think of our why, and when we're challenged to think of why we're grateful, it deepens that practice so much more because we can all say we're grateful for things, but to actually challenge ourselves and think about the why really deepens that practice. And that's where that those good vibes are, that good gratitude feeling is in, in the depth of that practice as such. So you can, you know, it's not about how many points you can write. It's about the energy behind that practice as such. So it, that's why it's so important to write your why afterwards and even something as simple as that can be a great practice to just do every day to raise your mood you know help you to stay focused and present of course and and to help you manifest as well and I think you know 
from that, you can then look at other things like whether it's meditation or whether it's affirmations, uh, maybe doing some emotional freedom technique, tapping. I mean, there's a whole array of suggestions in that book from a whole, from all walks of spirituality as well, which all help to manifest. So what I would suggest is just really like picking your favorite practices from the book, which actually really have helped you or you notice big shifts with and doing those regularly. And because there's so many different topics in the book from things like health, relationships, money, forgiveness, you name it, it's in there. You can kind of use it as a go-to book of if you're feeling particularly triggered or you're feeling particularly like you need something like self-love, you can then go to that self-love chapter and kind of do that practice again. Actually, um, I want to say a fun fact. I have another question, like it's still one more spiritual question, just because I think I caught an angel number there. Probably a few, but but I wanted to ask before that I wanted to share a little anecdote. So obviously me and Emma know each other as well. And um, along with another friend, Anna, I was talking to Anna actually. So Hannah Wallace, uh, who has a podcast called Finding Grace. And Hannah just discovered after we've been knowing her for six years, because you mentioned um, tapping. Uh, maybe Emma know where I'm going with this now. But Hannah told me, oh, have you ever seen Brad Yates? And I was like, I love Brad Yates. <laughs> I've been watching this stuff for years since I started, probably six years ago when I really got into wellness. That was my first thing. Tapping was one of my first things. You know, when you have one thing you kick up with. Uh, Law of Attraction is what Hannah introduced me to, but tapping was my thing. So I never really mentioned it to Hannah because it wasn't a new thing for me. And I was like, yeah, I love Brad. I have him on YouTube. I've been doing his, his you know, EFT a lot. And then she was like, you know that Emma loves Brad too. (laughs) We just had more. At some point, we just had like a a two minute like, oh my God, Brad. And um, Brad Yates is this, um, how old must he be? I mean, you're you're hardcore fans, probably you know better than me. Um, I I hate guessing people's ages, so it's terrible. You know, it is um, a man, you know, like it's not like a young man. So it's been going on for a long while, basically, as well. Put it this way. I just wanted to give a bit of context. And he's been in the scene for so long. And a lot of his EFT is actually about mindset, abundance and money. Um, So it was really funny because obviously you you love him and and me, I love it and Hannah love it. And we talk a lot, but this never came up. And then we're like, oh, my God, Brad. Um, So it's a bit of a sideway. Brad uh, is the best though. Papa Yates is like life, honestly. He is, that man has changed so many people's lives. And I've met him a few times and he is like the most kindest human being ever. Like they say don't meet your idols, but meeting Brad was one of the best days. <laughs> <laughs> I, told you, I told you she was gonna be a fun girly. Uh, but I thought I'd mention it one because it was funny. Um that just kind of let this fun girly kind of happen randomly. But secondly, because as you said. I do believe there is somebody who's interested in some different ways to tap into, you know, some of the practices that you mentioned. I would literally name and not shame, but name and recommend uh, Brad. Because as you say, it's changed so many people's lives and his tapping videos are so good and so simple in the way that I think they're much more relatable than a lot of the other ones that I've seen. Um, And I think that can be definitely an experience for everyone. Definitely. And it, like you say, it's so easy to pick up as well. Like you literally just type in Brad Yates on YouTube and he's got videos for, as you said, like manifesting and also emotional things as well. So if you're feeling triggered, if, you know, particularly one day you're feeling fearful, it's just so good to go on there and like type in the feeling or emotion or whatever you want to feel or release. Um, and just do a quick three to five minute video and you just literally copy what he's doing on the screen. And it's just such a powerful practice. Like I love EFT so much. I actually qualified in it because I was like, 
I want to do this with my followers and I want to help people do this as well. So even learning, you know, the history of EFT and all the different, you know, I, that's why I love writing Positively Wealthy because I just got to explore so many of the practices I know and love and that are proven to work in so much more depth um, and compile it into a book, which is just going to give everybody these like, you know, really manageable tasks each day or activities and fun things to do as well, of course, because fun is, you know, the ultimate manifesto. So it's important that you have fun with them. And it just gives the reader a variety of things to try and then think, actually, what's worked well? What do I want to explore more? What did I not know about? And actually, what do I do already that maybe I could enhance as well? And to be honest, I think the fun element is something that for me is really, really key because there's, I think there's a negative association already when it comes to finance, especially for women. I think when it comes to the idea of then, you know, it's not fun, it's something that is complicated, it's something that we cannot understand. And I think eradicating that belief is such a big thing and definitely bringing the fun into it can be one of the easiest, easiest ways to get started with that as well. Mm, absolutely. So if you were to, before I ask you our last question, if you were to suggest maybe one, you know, one thing, so obviously you mentioned like the different practices and stuff, but I won't, I'm going to ask you for one question, given that you give me a couple of examples of practices. The one question that you think somebody can ask themselves and they can jot down the answer straight after they, they listen to this and they're pumped. Obviously the first thing they're going to do is they're going to order the book. Good, done, well done guys. Second thing though is what could be a question they can ask themselves and you know, write the answer down and get a bit more clarity. Might be a bit of a harder question thinking about one, one specific thing, but. I was gonna say, I have about 10 questions I can give you, but we'll go with them. <laughs> so what I would go with is what does wealth mean to me? So write it down of what does wealth mean to me? Because this is like the place to start. Um, because like I said, I viewed wealth as monetary success, business validation, book deals, all of this. And yes, to a degree that does make me happy and that does bring me wealth. And that is something I thoroughly enjoy. Like I love my work more than anything. It never feels like work. It feels like fun. But to me, my true version of wealth was that family life, was that downtime, was my life away from the screen, away from what I do. So it's really important that you identify what wealth means to you, because from that, you can then look into what brings you happiness, what areas of your life. So you can ask yourself, what areas of your life do you currently not feel positively wealthy in? And what areas of your life do you feel positively wealthy in? Because it's important to recognize both so you can give gratitude and appreciation for the areas that you do feel positively wealthy in. But also you can then highlight the areas that you don't feel positively wealthy in because that is where the work needs to be done. So when you can identify that, you know where to go and where the work needs to be done. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hems. I'm going to ask you the last question that I ask everyone. If you were to have brunch with anyone, dead or alive, obviously, you know, at the time we're recording, we're still in the lockdown phase, but you know, you can actually have brunch outside with that person. Who would that person be, dead or alive? I'm giving you the option as well with that. That is impossible to answer. That is like, can I have like a dinner party of like 10 people? Or is it just one? <laughs> uh, I have had people asking that and I said, yes, you can do that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I mean, if you can maybe get it to like three to four, might be a good uh, middle ground, but yeah. 
We'll go with three to four. So Audrey Hepburn's one of them. I have loved Audrey Hepburn since I was a young girl. I love her films so much. I love her energy. Like, I just feel like I would just love to be in her presence. So Audrey Hepburn definitely would be one of them. I think Tony Robbins as well, actually. I mean, I have met him once, but I think to actually sit down and have a conversation just like one-to-one would be like incredible. Um, cause he's been like such an idol of mine since the beginning of my journey. Um, I think Gabby Bernstein, I'm going to chuck her in there as well. Love a bit of Gabby. Would love to have a sit down conversation with her. Um, I'm just trying to think who else. This is such a good question. Um, I love that. And always something new comes. And by the way, if, if you're having this brunch, then I want to be invited because you've already mentioned a couple of people that I would like to have a chat to as well. So I'm going to be part of it as sneaking in. Well, I better say you're the fourth person then, because otherwise, how else are you going to be there? So I'm going to bring Fab as a fourth person. <laughs> yes! Thank you. <laughs> I was like, uh, I can just sneak in, though. I can just like kind of do like a sort of like um, robber kind of going down with, with, a, with a rope or something and just hang about. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that would be really classy. Um, but I love that list. That, that's a great one. So you've got a really nice brunch. Um, and where, where would you go? Do you have any idea where would you like to go? Have you got a place that you really, really love? Or Well, it depends if Tony Robbins paying, you know. I feel like he should be paying here. So I'd quite like to go to his island. He's got like a really nice kind of like Hawaiian tropical island. So I think he should just pay for all of us to go there, if I'm honest. I like, oh, I see. Smart. Sorry, I like that. I like that. Ems, um, where can people find out more about you? And obviously the book. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you can find out more about me on my website, emmamumford.co.uk. It's spelled as in Mumford and Sons. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and all social media at I am Emma Mumford. And you can get the book Positively Wealthy. It will be out now by the time you're listening to this on anywhere worldwide that sells books. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Waterstones, etc. And you can get it in audiobook, ebook and paperback. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Emma. Guys, go and check out the book. Go and answer the questions and the prompts that Emma gave us as well. And thank you again for being part of it. It was great for you to share your wisdom because I know how valuable your tips are. So I hope people have got notes and things to do now. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpact.co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group. <laughs>